Well, good morning. For the last time, let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. It only took 83 weeks, but we have reached the end of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, and this morning we'll look at verses 21 through 24. Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. Please listen to the reading of God's word. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we need you this morning. We need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need him to be our teacher. And as always, Lord, we pray that you will save sinners that you will sanctify the saints, and more than anything, that you will exalt the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Let me read verse 23 again. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. With love incorruptible. Well, there is no love like a mother's love, or so the saying goes. But on this Mother's Day, I will do something that might seem a bit countercultural, a little bit counterintuitive, and I will take exception to that statement. And I will draw your attention to a type of love that surpasses all of them. It even has a name. Paul calls it. Love incorruptible. Love incorruptible. These two words not only bring this letter to an end and to a close, but they also capture the very essence of the Christian life. Love incorruptible. My friends, Christianity does not go any higher than this. And love, and I, I love the fact that this is how the Apostle Paul ends his address to the Ephesians. Two magnificent words, love incorruptible. This morning, I will attempt to prove to you that from the beginning and all the way to the end, everything the Apostle Paul has said in this letter can be summed up in those two words, love incorruptible. Nothing, nothing is greater. But I see the need to begin by setting these Two words within the context of our own lives as we live in this fallen world. I must point out one fact about life in this fallen world. The fact is this. Everything seems to be corruptible. Have you noticed? Everything seems to be corruptible. For instance, consider nature. What do we see in nature? 
Well, because of corruption, even the most beautiful flowers, they wither and they fade away. Because of corruption, even the most beautiful garden eventually can become overrun with what? Weeds, those nasty things, weeds, and its original beauty begins to disappear. Consider our bodies, and I know this is an exercise we don't like to do, but consider our own bodies. With aging, our muscles become weaker, our skin begins to decay, our bones lose strength, and our energy begins to be depleted. Consider our own human relationships. You are invited to the wedding, you go to the wedding, you celebrate the wedding, it is a joyous occasion, but then corruption, like weeds, begins to infect what was at one time beautiful. Have you taken the time to consider that even the strongest marriages that you can think of don't just happen? A strong marriage is not the product of chance. It is the result of work, intentionality, faith, and a common commitment to honor the Lord. If these things are not in place, then that marriage will soon begin to see corruption. Or consider what the world is celebrating today. The love of a mother. Motherly love is normally a symbol of permanence, strength, and even unconditionality. However, not even this love is above the effects of deep, deep corruption. All I have to do to prove this point is to remind you of the evil practice of abortion. The corruptibility of a mother's love can hardly be missed in a day when babies in the womb are being slaughtered by the mother's decision. And not only that, but it is being encouraged by society itself. This is corruption taken to its highest degree. And it reaches even down to that form of love, which is normally thought of as being almost indestructible. The love of a mother. These are all unmistakable signs of the inevitable corruption to which this world is subject due to sin. And it is undeniable. Corruption is all around us. And if you think about it, corruption doesn't work alone. Corruption has a very close associate, a partner in crime, if you will. Who is that partner? Well, it's a four-letter word, time. Time. If corruption is evil, then time is the carrier, the conveyor belt that moves corruption forward with unstoppable force. Given enough time, corruption begins to show its ugly head in every area of human existence. Brothers and sisters, in this fallen world, everything is corruptible. Everything is corruptible. Nature is decaying. Our bodies are decaying. And all human relationships are subject to the exact same decay. This is life in a post-Adam world. It is all corruptible. Therefore... The two words with which the Apostle Paul closes this magnificent letter to the Ephesians are nothing short of a miracle. A miracle. And we need to hear them this morning. These words are a fountain of water in the middle of a desert. They are a fountain of life in a valley of death. These two words at the end of the book of Ephesians are everything this world cannot 
offer you because it can't. These two words, love incorruptible, those two words are supernatural in nature and they are full of light. They are full of hope. In fact, I will seek to prove to you this morning that there are no words more fitting with which to bring this letter to a close. With these two words, the beloved apostle, Paul, comes back full circle to that which matters most, love incorruptible. The first thing that I want to do this morning, first point in your notes, is love incorruptible defined. Love incorruptible defined. Let us talk about the definition of this. What did Paul mean by this? Well, it is a well-known fact. If you have read the Bible for any period of time, you know the fact that the Apostle Paul placed a, the highest premium on love, the highest premium on love in what is arguably the greatest chapter ever written on love, namely, you know this chapter, right? First Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul made this very, very clear. In that chapter, the Apostle Paul speaks, for example, of faith, and he gives it a very prominent place in the Christian life. He also speaks of hope, and he locates hope among the chief virtues. But when it comes to love, Paul simply says this, it is the greatest. It is the greatest. Paul elevated love to the highest possible degree. Love is the pillar of all other virtues. Moreover, if you take a closer look at the letter of Ephesians, you will see that love also runs all the way through it. It is mentioned at least once in every single chapter of this letter. And not only that, but in every instance, love has a critical role to play. Now, let me show you this. We'll take a, a brief journey through the entire letter. In chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we are told by the Apostle Paul that in love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Here... In chapter 1, love is the cause of our adoption. Then in chapter 2, verse 4, we are told that because of the great love with which God loved us, he made us alive together with Christ. In chapter 2, love is the reason for our spiritual resurrection. In chapter 3, verse 17, the Apostle Paul prays that we may be rooted and grounded in what? In love. In chapter 3, love is the foundation for all of life. In chapter 4, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says that the church should build itself up in love. In chapter 4, then, love is the goal of sanctification. It is the goal of sanctification. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, we are told to walk in love as Christ loved us. In chapter 5, love is the very sphere in which we must live our lives. As you can see, and not surprisingly, love is the, the backbone of the entire letter. Love as a word may not appear as many times as other prominent words, but when it does appear, it is always the central word. Love is always, for the Apostle Paul, love is always the pinnacle, the summit, the top of the Christian life. And our text proves this to be the case. 
But in these particular verses, at the end of the letter of Ephesians, Paul qualifies love in a way he hasn't done before. He adds a little word. He adds a qualifier. It's not just any love. It's love incorruptible. What does that mean? Well, in my introduction, I mentioned that corruption belongs to this created order. And we could define corruption this way. This is corruption. The subjection of all created things to the ongoing effects of Adam's fall. That is corruption. It is the subjection of all created things to the ongoing effects of Adam's fall. Corruptibility means precisely that. Incorruption then is the opposite. Incorruption is that which is not subject to the ongoing effects of Adam's fall. Incorruptibility must be therefore something that belongs to a different, different world. In other words, incorruptibility cannot come from us naturally. It must be supernatural. What is it then? What is incorruptibility? Well, this leads us back by necessity to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider this about him. And in fact, we de declared it together in the Apostles' Creed. Consider this, from his very conception, our Lord was unstained by the fallen and corrupt seed of Adam. Why? Well, he was conceived, the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit. Moreover, the Bible tells us that during his life as a human, our blessed Lord remained unstained from the corrupting effects of, sins, of sin because he lived in perfect obedience to God the Father. He was pure and he was righteous in every way. But then consider this, at the very culmination of his earthly ministry, meaning in his death on the cross for our sins and his subsequent burial, at a moment when the human body is most susceptible to corruption through the process of decomposition, corruption did not reach him, not even in the tomb. Consider the words of King David. King David, in Psalm 16, verse 10, he prophesied about the Messiah, and this is what he said. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or to death, or let your Holy One see what? Corruption. How do we know that David was speaking about Jesus in Psalm 16? Well, we know this because the Apostle Peter tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 30 and 31. And in reference to Psalm 16, Peter says, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he, meaning David, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades or to death, nor did his flesh see what? Corruption. And why did the body of Jesus not see corruption? Well, Peter answers that again in Acts chapter 2, verse 32. This Jesus God raised up. And of that, 
we are all witnesses. Jesus did not see corruption because he rose from the dead. Jesus' body did not reach the point of decomposition. Rather, he broke forth out of the tomb with a brand new resurrected body and he will never die again. Our Lord Jesus rose from the dead in perfect, absolute, and eternal incorruptibility. Therefore, the incorruptible love of which Paul is speaking at the very end of Ephesians is nothing less than resurrection love. Love that brings life out of death. A love not subject to decay. Thus, incorruptible love can only be understood by looking to the Lord Jesus, nothing else. Outside of Jesus, all love is dying love. It is only in Jesus that there is incorruptible love. Now, having defined incorruptible love as resurrection love, love that brings life out of death, we can now ask the follow-up question, how is this relevant to us? How is this relevant to us? Well, thankfully, the Lord Jesus did not keep this incorruptible love all to himself. Our Lord has shared his incorruptible love with his people, the church, which leads us to our second main consideration, love incorruptible applied. Love incorruptible applied. The book of Ephesians and the entire Bible for that matter is about this one thing, the intrusion of incorruptible love into human existence. The intrusion of incorruptible love into human existence. Since everything in the present created order is corruptible and we are trapped in corruptibility, that which is incorruptible can only come from above. And as we just saw, the incorruptible love has come in the person of Christ, the Lord Jesus, our Lord. He came to do the supernatural. He came to intervene and to begin a new creation. But now, the question that arises is the following. What is the evidence of this? What is the evidence that love incorruptible has come into the world? What is the evidence? Well, the evidence of the intrusion of incorruptible love in the world is you and I, is the church. The church a people who have been created anew. This brings us back to verse 21 and verse 22. Consider the man who carried Paul's letter to the Ephesians. What was his name? Can anybody tell me? I'm asking you because I don't know how to pronounce it. It's either Tychicus or Tychicus. We're going to go with Tychicus. Tychicus. Who was Tychicus? Most likely, this man was from Asia and very likely actually from the city of Ephesus. Some scholars have even played with the possibility that Tychicus was Paul's scribe. He took notes. He's the one that actually wrote it as Paul dictated it. Others have even said that Tychicus has something to do with the content of the letter. Now, all of this is, is rather speculative, but this we know for sure. Tychicus was trusted by Paul, not only to carry this letter of Ephesians, but also as a man capable of explaining the letter. It is very possible and even likely that Tychicus 
was the very first man ever to read and preach the letter of Ephesians to a congregation. But more importantly, please notice with me how Paul refers to Tychicus in verse 21. How does he describe Tychicus? He calls him the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. We need to make much of those words. They are actually very revealing. In one of my very first sermons in Ephesians, about five years ago, <laughs> I mentioned Tychicus because the name itself, the name itself is derivative of another name. I don't know if you remember this, but I made the case that Tychicus, the name, comes from the name of a Greek goddess. In Greek mythology, the name of this goddess was Tyche. Tyche. And some of you might remember that Tyche means lady luck, lady fortune. In all likelihood, in, in the name of Tychicus, Embedded in the name itself is the idea of luck or fortune. In fact, Tychicus can literally mean fateful, fateful. Amazing. Tychicus went from being fateful in the eyes of the surrounding culture to being faithful in the eyes of Paul and of the Lord. Why do I bring this to your attention? Because Tychicus stands as an example of the application of incorruptible love in the world. It changes our very identity. My friend, what happened to Tychicus was the work of the resurrected Jesus sharing his incorruptible love with lost sinners. But we can't move on without remembering that the very writer of this letter, Paul himself, was also an example of the application of incorruptible love intervening in his own life. Here's the man who went from hating the church of Christ to being its number one ambassador, willing to be imprisoned for the sake of the gospel of Christ. A man who, for the love of Jesus, was willing to be put in chains. How does this happen? How can this happen to anyone? It is the intrusion of incorruptible love in the lives of fallen sinners. This is a love that brings spiritually dead men back to life. In fact, let me put it this way. Changed lives. Changed lives are the evidence of incorruptible love being applied throughout the world. Therefore, God in Christ doesn't just love us in the sense of having a certain emotional attitude toward us. The incorruptible love of God in Christ for us means that he transforms us into his likeness. Incorruptible love is transformative love, purifying love, renewing love, regenerative love, life-giving love. Just look at the lives of Paul and of Tychicus, and the evidence is undeniable. In connection to this, therefore, I see the need to ask, what about you? What about you? Do you see the intervention of incorruptible love in your own life? Or to put it more directly, 
who do you used to be that you are no longer? Who do you used to be that you are no longer? Or let me put it another way. What are you becoming? Here's a sure standard you can actually look at to help you answer that question. I will proceed to highlight a few of the truths we covered in chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians. And I will do so in the form of questions for your personal evaluation. Here's the book of Ephesians in summary. Are you seeing greater humility in your life, leading to the patience with which you can bear with others in love? Are you seeing a greater desire for maintaining the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace? Are you seeing an increasing love for the truth, both known and applied to your own life? Are you seeing an increasing desire to put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander and malice and to extend kindness and forgiveness to others? Are you seeing a greater sense of hatred toward that which is sexually immoral? Are you seeing an increasing burden to be a prudent and wise steward of the time God has given you? Are you seeing a deeper sense of your need for communion and fellowship with the saints? Wives, are you seeing a greater appreciation for the role of your husbands as head of the household? Husbands, are you seeing a growing sense of your responsibility to love your wife in a Christ-like manner? Children, are you understanding that your obedience to and respect for your parents is a reflection of your love for the Lord? Please notice something about each of those questions. None of them are written in final form. What do I mean by this? Well, the question is not, have you seen, period. The question rather is, are you seeing? It is progressive, it is ongoing, it is happening. Why is this important? It is important because incorruptible love has not been manifested in its final glorious form. This is yet to come. None of us should expect perfection in this life, but make no mistake about it. Incorruptible love has come and it is working in us. Thus, even though it is not final, it is in progress. We are becoming what we were not. We are becoming what we were not. Tychicus and Paul saw it in their own lives. We should too. This is incorruptible love applied. Resurrection power is making all things new. Consider following now, love incorruptible enjoyed. In verse 23, the apostle Paul mentions a series of virtues that now rightfully belong to us in Christ. What are these virtues? Peace, faith, and grace. This is incorruptible love enjoyed. These are the fruits of love. This is what incorruptible love has accomplished in us and through us. Because of Christ, consider this, and consider the Trinity. Because of Christ, we have peace with the Father. Because of the Spirit, we have faith in Christ. And because of the Father, we have received grace through Christ. These are all indicatives of the gospel in which we find the strength and willingness to obey the imperatives of the gospel and all because of incorruptible love. Now, these indicatives, however, are changing us from the inside, which leads us to the following consideration. Love incorruptible within. Love incorruptible within. 
This is quite shocking and astonishing. Consider what the Apostle Paul writes in, verse, in the last verse, verse 24. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Both the ESV Bible and the NASB Bible place this love within the believer, which is quite astonishing. Paul is saying that we have this love incorruptible within us. It is a characteristic of Christians. And this is certainly something we cannot miss. While it is only appropriate and proper that we always take time to consider the objective nature of the love of God for us in Christ, we must also consider the subjective love within our own hearts toward the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I believe the Apostle Paul would agree if I say that it would be extremely dangerous for any self-professing believer to overlook this subject of the love of Christ within your heart. One of the commentaries I read pointed out that this is the only letter, the only letter in which the apostle Paul ends with such specificity regarding his intended audience. Notice that this letter is sent exclusively to those who love the Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. This letter was not meant for everyone, but for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. What is astonishing, however, is that Paul adds the word incorruptible. How can we ever say to love the Lord Jesus with love incorruptible? Do any of you love the Lord Jesus with love incorruptible? What is this about? Well, in order to answer that question, we need to look at the Trinity. But more specifically, we need to look at the incorruptible nature of the love between the Father and the Son. For this, I need you to think with me on what the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 14. Consider in verse 23 what the Lord Jesus said. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And then in verse 26, but when the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will be in you. How can our love for Jesus be said to be incorruptible? Well, the answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. In fact, here is a truth that you and I need to know, need to treasure, we need to meditate upon and love. Please consider this. Here it is. The essence of the Christian life is that because of our union with Christ through faith and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have received the greatest privilege known to man. Namely, we get to participate in the intra-Trinitarian love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We are brought in, as it were, into this magnificent, infinite, and incorruptible love between the three members of the Trinity. My brother and sister, you have absolutely no greater honor in life. No greater honor in life. Fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this, my friends, is our comfort in this life, and this will be the pure joy of eternal life. Hence, 
Paul's definitive and dogmatic conclusion at the end of 1 Corinthians, where he says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Why the harshness of those words? Here's why. Because no love for Jesus means no spiritual life. No love for Jesus means no spiritual life. Lack of love for the Lord Jesus means lack of the presence of the spirit. So please, my brothers and sisters and my friends, hear the most important question ever asked of any man, woman, boy, or girl in any period of history. This is the question of questions. Do you love the Lord Jesus? Do you love the Lord Jesus? If you don't, here's the bad news. If you don't, then you are rejecting the one in whom God the Father delights. You are rejecting the one in whom God the Father delights. And if you reject the one in whom God the Father delights, then God the Father cannot delight in you. Hence, Paul's final words, you are accursed, which means damned or condemned. Therefore, today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of faith for you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, consider with me love incorruptible, triumphant. Love incorruptible, triumphant. Neither Tychicus, Paul, nor anyone who came after them for that matter has ever accrued enough merit to secure the love of God. In fact, history in general and our own history in particular teaches us something different. What is more, the very history of the church has been marred by divisions, conflicts, confusion. Our own lives are often marked by the same vices, yet none of these things are able to corrupt the love of God. His love has been and always will be incorruptible, meaning God's love is incorruptible because it is not subject to change. It does not allow for modifications, neither can be diminished or destroyed. If the book of Ephesians teaches us anything is this, nothing you or I can do will ever be able to corrupt the love of God for us in Christ. And if incorruptible love In incorruptible love, God predestined us for adoption before the foundation of the world. Then in the same incorruptible love, he will take us into the new world where righteousness dwells and love prevails. Consider with me how in verse 22, Paul states his purpose in sending Tychicus to the Christians in Ephesus. What was the purpose? This is what he says in verse 22. I have sent him. For this very purpose, that he may encourage your hearts, that he may encourage your hearts. My brothers and sisters, herein lies our greatest encouragement in life, our greatest encouragement in life, the love of God 
is an incorruptible love that neither death nor sin nor decay nor anything else created can ultimately destroy. Nothing. God's love for us in Christ is an undying love because it is a love mediated through the person of Jesus Christ and he will never die because he rose from the grave. Thus, we conclude that as long as the Lord Jesus lives, as long as the Lord Jesus lives, God's love for us will remain incorruptible. As long as the Lord Jesus lives, God's love for us will remain incorruptible. In light of this cosmic reality, we dare not be discouraged and we dare not be afraid. Thus, Paul's very purpose in for sending Tychicus to the Ephesian Christians and the Spirit's purpose that we be encouraged by the very letter of Ephesians thousands of years later is fulfilled how? As we remember that even though the apostle Paul died, that even though Tychicus died, the Lord Jesus lives and therefore his love for us is incorruptible forever. See that the story of the church is about people dying over and over and over and over again. While all that happens, Jesus is alive forever. So look at your own life and let me ask you, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ today? If yes, then praise God. This is the triumph of incorruptible love in your own life. It is the work of God. You and I are simply the story of Tychicus and of Paul repeated thousands of years later and being multiplied around the world. In his book, Charity and Its Fruits, Jonathan Edwards explained that there are three word, worlds, three worlds. And that these three worlds should be understood in relation to love and hatred. The first world is this world. And what do we see in this world? Well, we see love and hatred constantly being mixed. We're always exposed to both the manifestation of both hatred and love. The second world is hell. Hell. That world is a world of pure, unrestrained hatred. In hell, there won't be even a drop of love. In fact, hell will be the hatred of men eternally unleashed upon each other. Pure hatred for all eternity. And then there is a third world. Of course, it is the heavenly world. And this will be a world of pure, unrestrained love. And in this world, there won't be even a drop of hatred. Where do we find ourselves in this moment? We find ourselves in the first world, the world in which hatred and love are mixed. But the church of Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the triumph of that final love, which is incorruptible. God in Christ and by the Holy Spirit has already begun the work of separating love from hatred, just as he separated light from darkness in the beginning of creation. The church is the evidence of this work. Someday the work 
will be finalized and there will be an eternal separation between hatred and love and love will triumph forever. Therefore, we can sum up all of Ephesians this way. Be encouraged. Be encouraged in knowing that the love of God for us in Christ and by the Holy Spirit is incorruptible. My brothers and sisters, our sin cannot diminish the love of God. Neither can our righteousness increase it. It is an incorruptible love. In love, God predestined us for adoption. In love, God resurrected us from spiritual death. In love, God sustains us through this life. And in love, God will bring us home into a world of perfect, unending, undying love. So we praise God for his incorruptible love, which has made, is making, and will make all things new. Let us pray to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the promise that we read in your Bible, your word. Thank you for the magnificent intrusion of incorruptible love in a world filled with corruption. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that even though we see much corruption all around us, the Lord Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is making all things new. And so, Father, help us to look up, to set our minds above where Christ is. And help us, Lord, give us the faith to believe with confidence that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. Thank you for the love with which you have loved us. A love that is not subject to change or decay or modification. A love that will forever remain the same. An eternal love capable of bringing us from death to life. And as we enjoy this love here on earth, help us to consider the world to come in which there won't be any mixture of love and hatred but it will be all pure love. And I pray for those in this room who have not yet come to believe in the Lord Jesus as their own personal Lord and Savior. Father, open their eyes that they may see their need of Christ and him dying on a cross for their sins. And I pray that they will run to the Lord Jesus in faith and believe in him. And for us, Lord, continue to sanctify us, make us more like him. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.